Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Kelly Hoey, CMO of Curio.com, and tonight's guest panelists. Thank you. Thank you, Pablo. And it is uh, my pleasure to be back here at Apple. I'm Kelly Hoey. I'm the CMO of Curio, which is a ideation platform and startup index, helping brands connect with consumers through emerging technology. And a lot of that exciting emerging technology is happening in college dorm rooms. So it is an absolute pleasure for me to have uh, Deborah CC and my good friend Chris Freilig from First Round, CC and uh, Deborah from uh, the dorm room front. So since Deborah, since you're next to me, let's start with you as I introduce you. You're doing your MBA at Columbia and you're one of the investment partners uh, for New York City for the Dorm Room Fund. Correct me at any time if I've got any of this wrong. You have it totally uh, down. <laughs> so far, so good. Uh, you were um, used to work with Alex and Annie and you're also, okay, so you're an investment partner with the Dorm Room Fund. You're doing your MBA. Okay, I'm already not getting any sleep thinking about this. Um, but you're also the co-founder of Emma Joy. Correct. And, and tell us what Emma Joy is. Emma Joy is a fast fashion affordable e-commerce company that I actually launched this past year with a fellow classmate of mine at Columbia Business School. And how's it going? It's going really well. We've gotten a lot of traction so far, and uh, it's been an exciting experience. So what's interesting to me is you were recruited to be the, one of the investment partners for the dorm room front. How did that come about? So early on, I came onto campus and uh, knew I was going to pursue entrepreneurship. Um, so got really involved with a lot of the organizations on campus and met actually Alex, who was the investment partner um, on the Dorman Fund representing Columbia Business School. And he sort of came up to me and told me about the Dorman Fund. Um, and that was really how I started uh, through the process. Great. And Cece, we were talking about this in the back. So Cece is the director of the Dorm Room Fund. So you're looking after, looking over and overseeing everyone from Dorm Room Fund in New York, Boston, San Francisco, Philadelphia. Have that's I missed right. anybody? Nope, that's the four. Yes, got it. <laughs> uh, and you used to be the director of communications at an internet startup. Mm -hmm. Quickie, do I have that right? Correct. Yep. So what do you... I mean, we, as we talked in the back, the dorm room fund in terms of finding new investment partners, you sort of, it's sort of like organic, the current investment partners find That's correct. the next yep. generation. Yep. So when we started, um, we personally selected the founding members of um, the investment teams in each city. But the model was always that once we selected the first team members, that they would replace themselves. Um, and when they do that, as Deborah mentioned, they actively seek students who have been active on campus um, in their entrepreneurship clubs, and preferably who have experienced starting a company themselves. Um, so, like Deborah, exactly, pretty much. <laughs> Just like this, this, this is the form <laughs> we need. <laughs> so, what makes a good investment partner uh, yeah. for the dorm room fund? Yeah. Um, so we look for, um, we like students who have a technical background, preferably. Um, if not that, then someone who has shown to be very active and passionate about entrepreneurship. Um, so many of them are the presidents of the e-clubs, um, have you know, taken all the entrepreneurship classes in, in school, um, but then outside of their time, this, what they do in their free time I think is what matters the most. So are they working on a startup? Are they looking for other startups to mentor? Um, and our, our partners, I have to say, um, across the board are highly active in, in each, of those, each of those things. That's great. And at the end, Chris Freilig, partner with First Round, um, you're looking at 
ad tech, social e-commerce, gaming. I was reading your bio. You're like as old as the internet. It, a little older. <laughs> but, I mean, your career in tech, 25 years of tech industry. I mean, maybe you invented the internet. I, I'll tell Al Gore that. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but, but one of the things I find most interesting about Dorm Room Fund and just the whole younger entrepreneurship movement now is when I was in in college in the early 80s, I was one of the first people that had a PC in my dorm room. But it was an oddity and nobody started their own company. And I think it's, you know, as we were at first round noticing people like my partner Josh Koppelman started his first business when he was an undergrad at Penn. Uh, Nat Turner, Zach Weinberg started Invite Media when they were undergrads at Penn. Brian O'Kelly started his first business at Princeton. And then you've got, of course, you know, Zuckerberg and Bill Gates famously, and, and there's, there's all this activity happening, but there's not a lot of access to capital. Right. And we saw that as a disconnect that we could perhaps start to help fill with the dorm room fund. Now you've taken away the question, like, where did this idea, you know, came about? And how, so how much did you originally seed it with? And talk about how you made the decision to seed it with money and then seed control to the students and what the philosophy behind that was. Yeah, so that, that, that you know, the observation was around, uh, you know, there, there's great entrepreneurs uh, with great ideas and energy and with a little bit of capital and a little bit of help, they might really be able to go places. And... Uh, you know, several of the partners at first round, and, and notably my partner Finn Barnes, really took uh, took this idea and, and jumped with it. And and you know, back in I think it was September of 2012, we we launched first in Philadelphia as an experiment with a half a million dollar commitment and got things going there. And then uh, very quickly saw this was something special that we wanted to build out across the country and. And, and CC has really driven it and run it since then. So a big focus for first round is on the founders. Now is that, I'm assuming that philosophy has trickled down into the dorm room fund, but how are you structuring how you're working with the founders? Um, because as Chris has pointed out, you know, a little bit of money always helps, but it's all the other stuff you get from early stage investment that actually makes a difference. So how's that, how are you working with the founders um, in the dorm room fund. And I'll, I'll let you start, Cece. Sure. Um, so, um, ag agree that first round has reputation for being very active investors, um, especially because we work with seed companies, which tend to need a lot of help in the beginning. We think that that's where you can make the biggest difference in their trajectory. Um, so same with dorm room fund, even more so, because these are not seed companies, these are pre-seed companies. And you're working with student entrepreneurs, which means that likely they're first-time entrepreneurs. So a big, um, a big part of the dorm room fund mission is not just to provide capital, but also the resources that they need. Um, so we do everything from getting them deals with, um, with you know, Amazon and, and, and other uh, big um, uh, uh, organizations that they would want to work with, getting them in front of them for BD conversations. Um, we do... Um, sometimes it's just those startup packages so, for web so hosting yeah, exactly. and stuff Legal that you don't want to have to pay for, financial, you know? Financial, exactly. Um, another part that, another thing that we do that I think is the most important is connect them with mentors. 
Um, so if, if nothing else, if they take the $20,000 investment from Dormer Fund and even the company fails, hopefully we've been able to connect them with one good person that can help them throughout the rest of their career. Um, so we match them with successful entrepreneurs, we introduce them to other VCs, first round and other firms um, to help them, to help guide them. Um, and I think that, that, that making those connections is, is one of the biggest value adds that we have. And Deb, what else do you think? I think the other thing that we constantly hear from our founders is also the peer-to-peer -peer, um, focus that we do have. And so as students ourselves who are involved in entrepreneurship or who have a startup or those experiences, we're able to really um, answer some of the, I guess, dumber questions that they may have, such as, you know, I have finals, but I have to work it's on this. It's never a dumb question when you're question, peer, but, it's never a dumb question. But it's something that, you know, we're very comfortable answering, whereas maybe they cannot go to their institutional investor and ask those types of questions. Right, right. You've got someone else. Have you had the same experience? I, I want to say misery loves company, but maybe it's success <laughs> that, you know, drive-through entrepreneurship loves that same um uh, company um, and sharing of experiences. So why are college ventures good investments? Why are these college entrepreneurs, you know, says the old lady at the end, why, why are these like good entrepreneurs to, to bet on? I, I'd say that we, you know, we think, you know, we've, we've carved out $2 million from our, our fund to, to invest into dorm room fund and and so far I think it's it's 57 companies and we think we'll do very well on as a return on that investment and that's why we did it but we also think equally or even more importantly is that we're helping uh, identify and build a relationship with the best and brightest right out of the gate literally before they're graduating and and that even if it's not with you know building the next Facebook in their first try that we're building relationships that will hopefully last for a career and and you know we'll find if not in their first company this time we'll f we'll build a relationship and over time uh, they'll know what first round can bring to the table and have a positive experience with dorm room fund and come back to us well i mean you mentioned the example of brian o'kelly got some good publicity recently with what's going on with app nexus and Yes, Brian wasn't in our dorm room fund, but he. But, <laughs> but, we, uh, but, we, we but he's were a good example. An, you know, original investors in those two guys, and it, you know, it's fascinating. As, as a VC, it's really amazing to sit and watch. You know, you meet with founders and hear their idea. We met at Hill Country Barbecue. Uh, was when I first met them in New York. It was the two of them, and then they just raised money this last week at a 1.2 billion dollar valuation. They have 700 employees, and and it's amazing to see that happen so quickly. But Brian also uh, started his first few businesses, some of which failed miserably and wildly while he was at Princeton. And, and that's, that, that correlates a lot. As we look at our best entrepreneurs, they've started businesses in college, some of them even, even earlier as we really dig into it. So uh, we want to get to know the best and brightest. And then we've got an awesome group of uh, you know, investment partners uh, on the team that really help us find them. Um, Say, and to yeah. add to that, had Dorm Room Fund been around, Brian O'Kelly would have been one of our <laughs> one of our CEOs. And I think if you look at that retrospectively, so would have you know, Mark Zuckerberg, so would have Drew Houston, and becomes starts to look very attractive. Um, so we're optimistic, and we think that if we continue to do this, that you know, 20 years from now, we will look back and say that we did get, we did get those people. Well, and I mean, and we talked. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, if you if you've seen the Social Network movie. And like there, there's there's a section of it when Mark Zuckerberg literally could not afford servers 
and a guy named Eduardo Severin, who's a billionaire today because he could write the check to help Mark buy servers. So it's like the, the, the gap, that is a good example of the gap. And hopefully, if we would have been around, he would have been part of Dorm Room Fund. <laughs> well, it, it is. It's, it's like that little bit, that connection, that introduction, that, you know, some little piece um, of all of this. Uh, we also talked in the back in terms of, all right, you might be changing the face of entrepreneurship in terms of who you're seeking out um, with the dorm room fund, but also who's making the investment decisions. So you have a, a good diverse group. Can you kind of talk about who you've, who would cross, I mean, you sort of talked about general characteristics, but who you've got across these cities and, and doing different things in sure, terms of making sure. the investment decisions. Um, so in each of the cities, we have a group of 8 to 12 current students who are on the investment team. And by current student, I mean anyone undergrad, grad, MBA, uh, PhD level. Um, and they are the investment team, and they do everything from finding the companies to diligence to making the final investment decision. Um, and when we look for these, these investment team members, um, we look for diversity. So there are some with um, hardware experience, there are some that are great designers, um, but something that they can contribute and make it a team that's, that's well-rounded. Um, and um, the... And the special thing, I think, is that looking across, we talked about this earlier, but that they are able to then identify other people who are good replacements. Um, and so it's a self-propagating program at this point. And Chris, are you members of, um, say, first round kind of doing like VC mentorship in terms of guiding on how to make these investment decisions um, and how to look at, um, how to do due diligence and all that other kind of VC and training? Yeah, I, th I think uh, we we give a lot of input and and guidance, and I, I know CC works very closely with them, and and Finn has worked very closely as well. But we all the partners have had opportunities to do office hours or to meet with, uh, you know, a new investment team. Like you know, the New York team meets in our office, and uh, you know, I've been there a couple of times, and you know, let them pick my brain for an hour, and I get energized with how smart they are and and what what great companies they're they're seeing and and picking like it's uh, you know i think uh, at least I, I i think i've been very pleased with the quality and quantity of of entrepreneurs that they've that they've found and that mentorship has been really invaluable i remember i mean i i never had any experience investing in um, startups before and i remember the first conversation that chris had when we sat down as a as a new team in january um, we were able to ask him any questions and learn so much from him has it changed the way you look at investing like i'm gonna say either personally or professionally down the road i think it definitely has i i learned what uh, investors look for and even when uh, I'm building my own startup. There are things that I do look for for myself to, to be successful someday. You're successful now, not the someday stuff. That's the only thing I'm going to disagree with on uh, on there. So, how much time are dorm room fund, you know, I want to say uh, investment partners? How much time are you spending? This is a like this is no small commitment. We probably spend a lot more time than we think, um, uh, and I say this because a lot of what we do is uh, activities that we're already passionate about and are doing on campus. Um, so we meet with students regularly. They have questions that they come and ask us and um, tell us their startups and concepts and ideas, and that's the majority of what we actually do. Um, in terms of the cities, we each have different uh, setups. Um, for New York, we meet regularly once a week, uh, every Friday for a few hours, and we talk about, you know, 
what's going on in, in terms of our team, and also we invite companies to come tell us about their businesses. Um, so it, it's probably a, a good portion of my time, but it doesn't feel like a lot of time. <laughs> so you said it's sort of integrating in, into the things you're already doing and already passionate about. Um, what do you look for in a founding team? That's a really good question. I think any investor will tell you that a startup, um, what it really comes down to is the founding team and the people behind it. And for us, um, when we look at a lot of these student teams, um, we don't necessarily have uh, the traction or the expertise um, or um, these are first time entrepreneurs as CC has mentioned, so we can't look back on what they've done before. Um, and so we try to find students that are really passionate about what they're doing and also committed. As students, we're constantly distracted by a lot of different activities going on, social, school, um, personal Damn lives. classes. <laughs> um, <laughs> lack of sleep. Uh, but, you know, it really comes down to whether or not they want to pursue these ideas. And also, I think, with a lot of the, the people that we see, um, there are ways that they can demonstrate their success to us. So, for example, uh, one company that we invested in um, and looked at is a hot sauce company. And, you know, this particular... What's the name of the hot sauce company? A&B American Style. Um, and so... The they can now buy in Whole Foods. <laughs> and so la It's delicious. <laughs> and, and where are they based out of? Out of New York. Okay, cool. Um, and so Brian, who's the founder... Uh, never really started a company before, but he was able to bring his hot sauce into the heavily regulated Columbia dining system and serve it to students. And so that was something that we were like, this is definitely yeah. the team that uh, will be able to succeed. Shake, shake up that cafeteria food with hot sauce, okay. It's no. really good hot sauce. <laughs> I have to go and find this now. What's the name of it again? It's A&B American style. It's all natural. It's made here in New York. It's really delicious with oysters. Okay, there we go. Sold. And, and to add to that, I completely agree. Um, there, I think two other things that, that, we look, that you will look for in, in any founders, but soon founders do an incredible job exhibiting it. One is uh, scrappiness. Right? So these are founders who have very little resources, um, but who, are, who have a been able to build a prototype, have something out in beta, really off of very little money. And so you see how far they've been able to come with that. And you know that if you gave them $20 today, they would know exactly where to put into their company. And you can't really say that for, for you know, some of the founders that, that first round sees. Um, the other thing that, that I think is incredible is um, they, we look for founders who are not afraid to admit what they don't know. Um, so the ability to ask questions, um, the ability to surround themselves with really great advisors, which they have access to um, in plenty on, on campus, right? Professors who are experts, domain experts, um, friends, um, um, advisors, they make, make the most of the resources, the grant money that they can get. Um, so ability to take advantage of those things. Um, and so those, I, th I feel like those two things are, you can test with a student founder actually much better while, while, while in school, yeah. You're nodding at the end, Chris. Agreeing with all of this, or yeah, I think it's I think it's so good. If I was to to take it up even a higher level, is I think it's 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 really important that um, that y that young folks today aren't just seeing if a big company will hire them for a job, and they're taking control of their own lives and destinies, and getting excited about startups, whether that's starting one of their own or joining one and 
I think that's fundamentally critical to our our whole, you know, to the whole country and our you know, and our economy, and and it's exciting to see how we've started to shift trajectories of where people normally went. Like when I, um, you know, first started visiting uh, Princeton, even before dorm room fund, like the, the default decision was the best and brightest went to Wall Street or to consulting. Banking consulting was really where everybody went. And now, after a lot of efforts, dorm room fund being one, there's a whole lot of others, uh, you, you're shifting what people think is cool and where they want to put their energies and their time. And, uh, and we've seen, I don't know, CC might have some stats, but I've, I've been impressed that the graduates from our investment team are getting into startups. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do have stats, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we like stats. We like data. So, um, so we have we have 32 students who have gone through the investment team uh, program. They've graduated, gone to other things. Of those 32, um, 12 are now starting their own companies. Nine are working at startups, and seven have joined VC firms. That's um, great. Which is, which I think is, is incredible to, to see. Um, and a few and these of those, are the, so let's be clear, these are the is, investment team members. The investment team, this is not the investments, this is the investment these, team. These investment team members, Perfect. exactly, okay. exactly. Um, and we did have one problem though, right? We had one, one issue that for a long time we were able to say that 0% went into, into banking, but one, oh. one went to BlackRock and oh, yeah. so, well. It's okay. So but that's okay, but that's still pretty good. With an still entrepreneurial <laughs> mindset though. Yes, true, there true. We go. Infused with that. Um, he's finding his way, currently. <laughs> he may be the first accredited investor. Do, you know, we might need him for, for follow-on funds. Let, let, you know, let him do this. Let him be successful there for a while. <laughs> that's right. But we, we've actually had a few, um, so one, one of the fun stories is we had an investing team member who, she's one of the ones that joined a very well-known VC firm. Oh, um, so it was a, it was she, a she? She, yeah, a she. she. Thank you, I just want to, just <laughs> yes. my hearing. Yeah. Um, and she had previously done two internships with, um, you know, banks, uh, consulting firms, very prestigious internships that I was never offered in college. <laughs> but um, uh, the summer after her junior year, she was on her way to interview for, for another one of these prestigious internships when she stepped into the Philly first round office and happened to meet Finn. And she was asking Finn for career advice, life advice, saying, should I do this internship? Finn actually pulled her into a room and locked the door and they had a heart to heart. And after that, she decided, you know what? That's actually not what I wanted to do. I want to pursue something else. And that was, and she says that that was a very pivotal moment. She also happened to miss her interview for that job, which helped a little bit. Um, but, um, but to this day, she points, she points to that moment as being extremely important in her life. Um, and that's, I think that's one of the great, the great things about, uh, about Dorm Room Fund is that you see, you see people get exposed to startups, get exposed to entrepreneurship, and the light bulb goes off and says, hey, I, I can actually do that. That is a path that I can go down. Um, I actually went to Princeton. I have to admit that when I graduated, I joined a hedge fund because I thought that's what I had to do. And the only reason that I am no longer in a hedge fund is because I graduated summer of, of 2008 and my fund imploded before I started. So only because I lost a job, thank goodness, um, and I had to really you know, search deep into what I actually wanted to do because finance was no longer an option. And you know, a very convoluted path that brought me here. But had Dormer Fund existed while I was at Princeton, it would have, it would have saved me a, a lot of those, those turns.
Well, I just, you know, you really think about it um, in terms of people who have talked to me recently in terms of who you're exposing to entrepreneurship or who you're exposing to VC. And so to really bring it down to that first career decision making, you know, the fact that you're doing that with the Dorm Room Fund, both from the founder perspective as well as the investment, you know, partner perspective, um, I think just kind of changes everything. So I'm gonna look at the audience. I'm gonna to get to questions shortly. So if you've got questions, start thinking about them. Pablo and everyone from Apple will come around with microphones, put your hand up. Um, not that I don't have a list of questions here, but I'd rather hear your voices and your questions. Um, what trends are you seeing with um, college entrepreneurship, whether the level of interest, um, product, the type of companies they're starting, I mean, you were mentioning some things in the background you've met, when we were talking in the, in the back room and, and you know, talking about a hot sauce company. So this is not just the latest fashion app or something like that. So what kinds of things are you, any particular trends or interests or levels of, of entrepreneurship that you're seeing across the various funds? So I'm going to talk about my personal experience a little bit. I actually graduated from Barnard in 2009, and um, I went back onto the Columbia campus to pursue business school this past year. And in the five years, I remember when I graduated, no one ever really talked about startups or entrepreneurship or you know, lean methodology or venture capital. Um, and what we've been seeing a lot of is student, students taking action and really taking the initiative to create a lot of um, interest and awareness and schools are responding to that. And so now we have a lot more programs and courses and that type of interest is incredible um, in terms of uh, what they want to pursue. Um, in terms of companies that we're seeing, I don't think there's any one particular trend. As you mentioned, we have a wide variety of uh, startups. Um, Everything from food and beverage to hardware technology to uh, fashion to um, services. And so that's also been amazing because students just sort of figure out what they want to pursue and what they're interested in. And it, it's a wide variety. Sounds a lot more exciting than some of the stuff at the angel stage, to be honest. <laughs> what, what I find fascinating is just how confident these kids are and how fearless they are and how you know even at the undergraduate level they've just they're not afraid to try anything and and you know it's like we had one of the we had our first exit uh, was a company called Firefly uh, that, was, that was out of Philadelphia and this was out of the dorm room fund yeah out of the dorm room fund so the first company was acquired recently and when you know a while back when they got the first you know inquiry and they were, you know, was walking around the office like, hey, Chris, this, this company wants us to come out and we, I, th I think they might want to buy us. <laughs> and, 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 but to just see them move from that first reaction to negotiating a sale. Um, another, there's another entrepreneur down in, in, in Philadelphia, uh, Daniel Fine is his name, uh, from Glass U is his company. And it's, it's logoed glasses that he licenses and sells into schools and, and helps promote them in colleges. And, like, you know, he's he's been recognized as one of the entrepreneurs. What was what did he win? Philly Magazine picked him as the uh, the best entrepreneur. The best entrepreneur in the area. He's had he's got two businesses he started already. And I I was at an event, and I was I had a scheduled meeting with the CMO of Unilever, and he was there in the audience, and he found his way up to introduce himself 
to the CMO before I even got to say hi. And he's just, just like those kinds of things of, of what they've got just coming out of school is just really remarkable. And I'm just thinking, ModCloth, Sue Gray Coger. She started ModCloth in uh, school. Or, or yeah, husband, high Eric? school. It wasn't in high school, yeah, I think. Yeah, it went all the way back. They were, on it, they were at it for years before we even had the chance to invest. But uh, there's, there's, when you go back, again, that was part of our recognition is there's so many great companies that have been started in dorm rooms, and we need, we need to be there. And I think and the, the other thing I would, would point out and give CC a ton of credit for is how we took this idea in one market and really spun it up. And in the course of one year, we opened up in... San Francisco, in New York, and Boston, in addition to Philadelphia, and uh, and scaled it up, and 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 really got got it out there to a really meaningful size very quickly. And, and are, the, are there personal connections with the campuses and that you're at? You said thinking, you know, Penn saying you're there, and and Columbia, the proximity to your office here, Boston, San Francisco as well. Is there is it? that kind of having that personal connection with schools? Um, so we chose schools where there's a history of interesting companies coming out. Um, and actually, we, when we launched Dormant Fund in Philadelphia, we put up a website that said, if you want Dormant Fund to come to your school, let us know. And so we looked at the data and saw which schools were interested, and they actually matched fairly well with the ones that we would have targeted anyways. Um, but then as, you know, this year in New York, we added Cooper Union, a, a student from Cooper Union. Um, in Boston, we added a student from Tufts. And that's just based on once we're, once we're there, where are, which students are reaching out to us and constantly petitioning us to come. Right. And, and are those students to be investment partners? Investment partners. Cool. Right. But the, the mandate is that dorm room fund can invest in any company where there is at least one co-founder that's a full-time student. So even though the investment team members come across 15 schools currently, um, they can invest in any university startup. That's great. All right. Pablo, standing there with microphone in hand. Yes. Hands up. I love this. Okay, so how far ahead do you have to be with your prototype and how much market traction do you need to have in order to seek the first round of investment? Sure, um, so it depends on, on your company, um, the model, etc. Um, but I would say that it has to be at a point where if we invest in you today, $20,000, you can tell us exactly where you're going to use that money and how that's going to get you to the next milestone, to the next fundraise. Um, and, and that also applies to how we choose which type of companies to, to invest in, right? So we can't do biotech, we can't do clean tech, um, but if you're a hardware company or software company and you're ready today to, to you know, add fuel to your company, um, then I'd say that, then you're ready to come talk to us. I love what you guys are doing. And my question is just about what are the challenges that you've seen with um, undergraduate students launching companies as opposed to older folks launching companies, and how have you been able to mitigate those challenges and those risks? Chris and I are just going to nod as the older <laughs> folks. <laughs> I think uh, one thing that we've noticed a lot with undergrad founders is that um, they have great ideas and great concepts, um, but then how do they make it into a viable business and a viable company. Um, and so what we're hoping to do with a lot of the mentorship that we provide is to help them think through about um, things such as market. Um, you know, how do, how do you develop a marketing strategy or how big is your market? Um, going out and talking to customers. Um, so a lot of those uh, sort of 
business basics that maybe undergrads don't really necessarily have the training for in classes. Oh, and I was thinking before when we were talking about some of the attributes you look for in college, the, when someone hasn't um, had that track record before in entrepreneurship, I mean, how as someone is perhaps later coming to entrepreneurship, how do you convey some of those same you know, is scrap, the scrappy when you're 22, is it the same scrappy when you're 42? Like, how do we translate that? Um, you know, do you look for something different when someone's got a PhD versus an undergraduate? Any, any thoughts or is it really one of those, I, I remember when I started investing, when investors would say, I invest with my gut and I invest in an entrepreneur and it was really unsatisfying answer, but it is the answer. <laughs> I don't know. I'd say that one of the real advantages that that students have is they can live on very little. Uh, the, the founder of, or the, the, the current head of Y Combinator, Sam Altman, recently tweeted out that, you know, keeping a low cost of living might give you a 10x lift in the number of options you have. And, and that's, you know, like that, that mindset of being able to get along with less is, is a, you know, scarcity forcing you to innovate is a good one. And, but, but, and I'm just thinking back, like we invested in a company, Invite Media, that, you know, has done very well. They were acquired by uh, Google, but they, they started, they, they, they started when they were undergrads at, War, at, at Wharton and they lived in their offices. They basically rented a condo and everyone, a few of them, everyone worked there and a few of them lived there and they all ate there and it just was, you know, it was, it was kind of a, um, like a, a, a frat house, dorm room, and office all in one. Right. I, and that, that might be a, one of our future conversations, Chris, because, you know, I, I, have a, I have an issue or two investing when the, the startups and the founders are living better than I feel I am at times. So, um, more questions. Hi, um, my question is a two-parter. Number one, have you guys explored the possibility of uh, funding social entrepreneurial projects, like uh, projects that um, focus more mostly on community change and like um, developing, um, I don't know, awareness about, uh, I don't know, like issues in communities or even health um, Yeah, wait, 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 that's a, I, mean, I, wanna get, I want you to get to your second part, but we didn't even talk about that. What, what is the complexion of that? Because it's how many, 57 investments? And so everything from hot sauce, to there was a, there was one of your companies that was mentioned in TechCrunch recently. Prius. Prius. Yep. Yes. Um, so f 57 companies. Um, at the moment, we are only investing in in for-profit companies, um, in companies that have a business model and are looking to make money. So we are looking for returns. Um, now, social entrepreneurship, I, I think, is, is is fantastic, and I would love would love to support students who are working on those problems. But, it, but if, if a company, if like say the hot sauce company wanted to give 10% of and their profits right, to... With B Corps and they're, they're, yeah. the, the line is fuzzy. Um, so at, at, at the moment, no, but... Yeah, so like we're investors in Warby Parker, you know, as an example, they give a pair of glasses every time you buy one. So some, some companies have been able to, to, uh, to work that into their model and still be a for-profit and, and, and get venture capital. Uh, we, it hasn't been our charter yet to look you know, to look at anything with a social impact. However, I would say the model that we've helped, um, you know, put into practice would be a very good one for someone else who might want to put a few million dollars to work in a very smart, efficient way and, and pick, 
pick you know very deserving and potentially impactful yeah. social uh, social it, startups. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like you're, you're, what you're looking at are scalable ventures, right? And so chances are, if you found the right scalable venture that had an underlying social, co- the Warby Parker of the future, that started in a dorm room you'd be assessing it, but it's got to be something that, that's that, scalable. That started at Penn as well. That was uh, at the Wharton School. They were, they were uh, all business school friends. and uh, yeah, Just invest out of Penn may, may, be the, may be the investment. Okay, the second part of your question. Yeah. Um, do you guys um, uh, fund international startups? Like, I'm not from here. I'm from Kuwait. So um, there are a lot of um, young entrepreneurs, students, like MBA students as well, that are looking at, uh, I don't know, grants or... Uh, sources of um, uh, to apply for funding. So, are, have you guys explored the possibility of funding internationally? But are you are are you here at school? Uh, no, I'm oh. I'm here on vacation. Oh well, welcome. We're so glad you're here. So, are you in terms of looking at? You're just investing with students who are in universities here. But any international students in any of your portfolio? We. I don't know if we have any international students. Um, I believe there are founding members of, of a few of our companies that are international students. Um, your company does have to be a US-based company, and um, of course, the we would probably find you if one of your co-founders was affiliated with, with a US university. Um, so there's no hard and fast rule about that. But I would also add that we also been connecting a lot with other international organizations um, that are doing very similar models. Um, I actually met with someone recently who is doing something very similar in Singapore and was asking us how we develop our um, process and uh, what we look for in terms of student entrepreneurs. And so I would encourage you to maybe explore some of the other student organizations um, in your respective country because there's a lot of amazing things happening globally. Yeah. And check Juice Labs out in um, um, Cairo that's just launched an accelerator there. But, but I'd also say we're, we're fairly open about our playbook and kind of transparent and happy to share. And that's and yeah, that's so different. When I was first interested in venture capital 20 years ago, it was it was a black box. You didn't know how this mysterious world worked. And, and now there's everyone blogging and everything is much more out in the open. So I think there's, there's models that people can take and run with. I think that's a great point, and, and we internally refer to dorm room funds sometimes as the experiments. Um, and we've only been around for a, a year and a half, approximately. Um, and every month we do things differently, and we try to reassess what we're doing and what we can do better. Um, and so that's part of um, that's part of our DNA. And so when I say we're not doing things now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to change our minds in the future, depending on what we see. Um, and that's another great thing about having students from across the country is that they they hear from their friends what they want and what they need and so everything's constantly being reassessed. Say, what's, what's the expression? Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So they've got a great model. Steal it, borrow it, ask them for it. <laughs> There's lots of colleges, lots of campuses, lots of student entrepreneurs. I mean, the best that we could have is to have this model replicated. Pablo in the back row. Hi, my name is Daniel Sintra and I'm a current CS grad student at Columbia. Um, my question is, how do your investment theses uh, differ from one another, if at all? But by, by what? Um, the investment thesis between first round capital and um, the and dorm, that dorm fund. fund? Yeah. Is there a different much? 
investing in great founders and giving them resources that they need? Uh, I, I would I would say I don't know that we've set it up intentionally to be the same or different, but I think it, it is very similar. I, I think we, you know we're looking for great entrepreneurs in, in big markets. I think one one difference is you know, when we're making an investment, it averages a half a million to 750,000 and a, and a company might be raising a million or $2 million in their seed round versus this may be the, the, the first and only $20,000. And so you have to, you just have to, that, that may constrain what can get done with that much money. But otherwise the types of entrepreneurs and kinds of businesses they build, I think are very similar. Usually we invest in, you can call it pre-seed, and first round does, does seed, so we're just, we're earlier, a little bit. Hi, I just wanted to ask a question because I have an idea for something, but um, I was thinking like Debbie Sterling and Goldie Blocks, how that's social, entrepreneurial, and she said that she had to take it to Kickstarter to show people that people would really buy this because there's such a change in what toys can do with the apps. And uh, I have one that I want to teach happiness. It gives kids happiness, you know. And um, so I don't know where to go and what to start. What would you say? Well, uh, that's that's a great question. And, and have you got any any in your? I mean, let's talk about let's sort of step out of the college for a second. Let's talk about Ringley. But any any of your 57 investments, any of them done any crowdfunding first? Is market validation um, or? Is it, that's one of the things with crowdfunding. Often enough, you can prove that you've got customers and you've got a market interest. But anyway, so absolutely, um, we have. They've since pivoted, but we we had invested in a speakers company, um, uh, similar to uh, Jambox, if you know what that is. And they raise a lot of money on, on Kickstarter, and that definitely helped validate um, the concept for us, just that there are customers who wanted to to buy it. And I think in general, Kickstarter um, is is a great platform to do that. It, it is. If you talk about just democratizing access to capital, you know, platforms like Kickstarter mean you don't even have to talk to people like us necessarily. Like you actually, you know, with a good enough story and some buzz, you can get traction that forces people like us to take, you know, to take notice. Yep. Yeah. So, wh so why did Ringley go um, crowdfunding first? And tell uh, everyone what Ringley well, is. So, so Ringley uh, is one of our portfolio companies at first round, and they make a connected fashion ring for women. And it uh, will notify you with little vibrations and little lights when you get notifications on your phone. So you can pay attention to who you're sitting with and not be having, you know, looking for your phone all the time. And they, they, took, they raised venture capital and then in a seed round from us, and then they did a... Uh, you know, they did a crowdfunding, you know, pre-order that was very successful, beat all all their expectations, and you know, and then they'll be shipping product this fall. But a lot of other companies do the Kickstarter or the Indiegogo or in their own site they do their own crowdfunding, and and um, you know, I, I think those are those are it's not the most important thing, but it's a really strong signal. It's a good indication of do people. To people like this idea, and very often they're willing to put down, put down their money where their you know where their heart and passion is, and, and support your project. Right, um, and one of the things we've talked about with uh, the folks here at Apple is to do a um, a panel on crowdfunding. And I'll just say um, to you is is take a look at PlumAlley.co. So PlumAlley.co, uh, they probably have the best guide on how to set up a successful crowdfunding campaign. 
Um, so um, we'll, we'll leave, it, leave it at that. Those were outstanding questions. Thank you so much, Pablo. Thank you so much, Apple, for hosting us. And thank you to Chris, Cece, and Deborah for uh, being here tonight. Great to have you back, Chris. Great to, glad you brought your colleagues. Um, and um, excited to see what other investments uh, come out of the dorm room fund. So thank you very much. Thanks, Kelly.